for someone to say, well, if you just stop and you just relax and you stop stressing and it don't make it about that about your life for someone like me or another human with a different story that knows that they, that naturally is probably going to be the hardest way for them to get pregnant is like the last thing they want to hear. Yeah. Not that your, your question of enemy because I told mm-hmm. you I wanted us to talk about everything. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pantucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of whatever makes you feel good, sit back and join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. So you guys, Taryn's back. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this episode for the first time, or maybe you're just joining into my series, Taryn was on season one uh, with her business partner, Katie. And <laughs> I'm trying to like figure out what we talked about because we spoke about a lot of things, but I was watching back old clips and the clip where you guys, I was like closing my eyes and you were trying to get me to engage my like pelvic floor, but like squeezing my butthole and like letting go of something else. And I was like, couldn't breathe and I couldn't hold my breath and everyone was yelling. (laughs) It was, it was great, right? It was great. (laughs) So calming. So you're back for season two and this time we're going to get a bit more personal Yes. So I feel like we're going to, it's going to be great. We're going to dive into it because I personally don't, and maybe it's because it's not in my, I don't want to say it's not in my realm. I'm not in a, in a stage in my life where I'm thinking about babies. I think when you focus, you see more content that you're like more aware of, if that makes sense or that you're focused on. Um, and maybe it's just like the curated content on my feed or where I'm at in my life. Like getting pregnant's not in the forefront um, or it's not something that I I personally predict happening over the next few years for me. So I don't actually see a lot of women speaking about like IVF or speaking about their fertility journeys. Um, and I don't know if that's because it's a topic that is quite personal um, and it's not something a lot of people maybe share with a lot of other people in their circle um, or publicly online for that matter. But I do want to talk, I want to jump into your journey with IVF and your journey with fertility, um, but I'll let you introduce yourself to everyone first so we can learn a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So hello. I'm so excited to be here because I know it's going (laughs) to be a wild ride. It always is. Hello. Welcome. Um, uh, My name is Taryn Graywall and I am a movement specialist. I call myself that because I have a variety of um, modalities of movement I play into. The foundation of it is that I'm a kinesiologist and that has a lot to do with my fertility journey because movement is my life, my body, and moving and connecting with my body is what I do day to day. It's what I think about and I help other people do. So um, I have my own Pilates studio and I also do some strength training in there as well and it's a small little studio in Gastown and we have an online platform that helps humans mindfully move through a variety of movement practices and so that's what I do and it has a lot to do with my movement journey and uh, I think what I do for a living and my fertility journey are so intertwined now uh, because well I'm a woman and uh 
hormones rule my world. So, same, uh, but in a in a not similar way, but also same. <laughs> but you know what? This is what I found was I wasn't yeah. aware of it, and then I realized right. like, well, I don't, are we allowed to swear on your podcast? Do we get in trouble? Oh yeah, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like I've heard <laughs> swearing on your fucking podcast. Okay, so yeah, it's just uh, we don't bleep just, it out because it would take too too much editing. It's just like beep 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 beep. I say at the beginning of all my classes, uh, disclaimer: I swear, but it's not with uh, to make you uncomfortable. It's just joy, happiness, and love with a dash of anger. <laughs> I don't. I was at a Jaybird class and I'm on the mat and the instructor's like, get the fuck up. And I was like, I know you're not talking to me. (gasps) Excuse me. Yeah. Stand the fuck up. I was like, whoa, (laughs) that's enough. Anyways, back to you. We're in a dark room. (laughs) Yeah. I just felt attacked, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, Not not trauma informed at all. No, not at all. I was like, we're not, we're not yelling at me in this space. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's so funny to like see you in in this place of your life now because for those of you that don't know, (laughs) Taryn pulled a 180 on me. I like to call it a dupe. (laughs) It was a dupe. You duped me. Um, Because Taryn was training me for – you were training me for a while. And you were training me before all of my hormone stuff happened. And I kind of hit this point in my life, what, now three years ago? three or four years ago maybe yeah 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 where just like all of a sudden my body was like rapidly gaining weight (laughs) and I was inflamed and I my face went from like never having acne in my entire life to being covered in acne and you were with me through some very um hopeless and vulnerable moments of my life I, I could not figure out for the life of me I was like how is this possible I see a trainer I get my meals delivered I go to spin classes. I'm like working out twice a day. And like, don't get me wrong, my nutrition wasn't dialed to the max, but it wasn't like I shouldn't no, have been does, gaining weight. Be, yeah. yeah. At that rapid pace. <laughs> um and yeah, I was just so frustrated at the time. And you know, when we started training, I was like really into lifting super heavy and I was recovering from a back injury. And I thought that I was like, cool, I found like a, a awesome female trainer who like does the same things. And then all of a sudden you turned into some Pilates chick and I was like, mm-hmm. I hate you. <laughs> Excuse me. What the fuck? Um, well, yeah. And I think I wish, I wish I had, and now I integrate a lot of Pilates into strength yeah. training, but I wish I had the tools for my own journey um, to facilitate you through what you were going through. Like now I look back and yeah. because of my own journey and my own discovery, uh, learning that like movement modalities and cycle syncing and um, understanding your hormonal makeup as a woman and that mm-hmm. most of the strength industry is built by men for men, mm-hmm. um, you then realize like I was like, I need to make a 180 because my hormones yeah. are all out of whack. My body's inflamed, and and that's what happened. And then I met, found Pilates, and uh, it it's gonna sound cheesy, but it did change my life. So yeah, I will change your life with Pilates. Don't you worry, I'll hunt you down. Yeah, I'll and well, I, I mean, I feel like you should be proud of me because like I do Pilates now. Like it's not my yes. main source of workouts, yeah. but I voluntarily go to some classes here and there. But I will say. And in hindsight, you were the first person to ever say it to me and I just didn't believe you. Or I I guess I was kind of in denial of like, that's Mm -hmm. not what we're taught. We are taught since we're young 
the very blanket statement of work harder, move more, eat less. It's science. Mm -hmm. It's like that's the equation to weight loss. You move more, you eat less, you're going to lose weight. And that wasn't happening for me. And I know that's a triggering topic for a lot of people, including some people that might be listening. Um, For me, it was just a place where I had put on weight rapidly and I couldn't figure out why. So it was actually very concerning for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it did become the center of my attention because I couldn't figure out why everything I was doing, I was just fighting my body. And you were the first person that said to me, I think you need to do low impact because your body's just in stress overdrive all the time. And I was like, no, that Mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense. Um, But it took three years and multiple tests and multiple naturopaths and many visits to doctors and two gynecologists and two endocrinologists for the last endo to tell me last summer. She's like, I think you're having a problem with your insulin and your stress levels. And she's like, I feel like if we start to work on managing your insulin and seeing if your body responds to that and pairing Mm -hmm. that with low impact workouts, you're going to notice that your body might change and you actually don't have to do work that hard for it to change. Mm -hmm. And I'm down like 30 pounds (laughs) from managing my fucking insulin. And if I had one more person tell me to like... I'm just, I mean, I'm sure you can understand because you work in the fitness space, but I was just so sick of this like influencer fitness space um, Mm. or male dominated fitness space of like telling me that weight loss is a blanket statement because I was unfortunately dealing with two symptoms, weight gain and skin where by outside standards looks like she lost herself. She's not taking care of herself. She's not moving. She's not eating properly. It's hygiene. It's like all of these things that we get targeted with, but I just Mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what was going on with my body. And yeah, and I think what the fitness world or wellness, because now it's everyone's wellness, um, forgets is that it's like, who is the human meeting me on the mat in front of me today? And I, and, and even if they're not seeing a trainer, it's like as yourself, as you walk on and into a space, you know, it's like, what do I need? What is my body telling me it needs? What do I need today? And then the 30 pounds is like a bonus, but the way you feel, the way you, Mm. you feel in your bones and the way you're walking in the world and how differently connected to your body you are when you make those changes that were specifically conducive and it is science so to just say like it's calories in calories out in fitness and 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 that's not what it is because the science is actually for female bodied individuals and some male gendered bodies individuals hormones matter and like hormones Mm -hmm. affect insulin insulin affects hormones like that all has something to play with that stress like it's all there's our bodies are so much more than than food and movement yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like I've talked about this so much on season one. I try and avoid like, I feel like every episode kind of comes down to this, but yeah. our female bodies, our, our, our ecosystem is so complex. And it's, I'm just feeling like now learning to scrape the surface of why am I learning about cycle syncing in my 30s? When, right. when we're learning about reproductive systems when we're 10, And we're just taught like, oh, you're going to bleed once a month and that means you're able to get pregnant and you're basically, that's your curse as a woman and you're a vessel for carrying babies. (laughs) And you know, like that's what was for me in my fertility journey was a huge aha was 
I'm in like I'm in the movement industry. I'm in I already knew about cycle syncing prior to this and I just I knew a lot about the female reproductive system but then when I got into fertility treatments and I was like oh I did not know enough and on top of it being pre and postnatal certified you learn a little bit more but how many women that were going through the same thing I was going through had no idea had not no understanding and for me I I was privileged enough to have that information but that was a huge like whoa so like everyone's going in here blind and it's yeah. just by chance like people get pregnant but get pregnant and are and it works but for a lot of people it doesn't or for a lot of people who aren't necessarily pregnancy isn't their their goal but to to understand their reproductive system so that they can live a healthy and happy life you know yeah do you feel like because this is how I felt in my personal hormone experience. And then I, I see other women with dealing with different things, even in the medical system, separate, like in general, that we're finding things out out of reaction instead mm-hmm. of like preventative or just like being more aware of how to understand our bodies more for like in terms of longevity and health. Versus like, oh mm-hmm. shit, now I have to fix this hormone because something's wrong. Or like, now I'm realizing like I'm maybe not able to conceive and now I'm learning about my cycle or now I'm learning about my hormones. I just feel like a lot of the times are we're so reactive instead of like preventative. Even like my mom, I haven't shared um, this publicly really, but my mom just finished chemotherapy um, and the anger I felt for her cancer diagnosis was through the roof because she's had this lump in her breast for 11 years and it's always like, monitor it. It's fine. Monitor it. And I'm like, again, I'm not a doctor. I will never be able to be a doctor. I, I don't have a, like a lack of respect towards the medical system because I, I have no idea what it's like to put in that work to understand the body and to treat people. But from the outside, I see it as why can't we go in and take a lump out or give the patient the option to take it out? Because all of a sudden, it's not a problem until it is a problem when it's spread to the lymph nodes and diagnosed at stage three cancer. And you're like, what, what, what's the risk versus the reward here? So now she has to go through chemo and like have a surgery instead of just like removing a lump. Like I just don't understand. Totally. Well, one, thank you for sharing that with me and everyone else because that's huge. That's terrible and I'm so sorry. And two, I I, I agree with you. I think there's – hey, I went through rounds and rounds of fertility treatments and I had to force them because I had the privilege in my life to have humans in my life who are doctors, whose wives have gone through it, who are have gone through it and had and ra- 10 rounds of fertility treatments and said, you go to them at before round three because they're not going to look into you until round three. They're going to just put you through the, the um, conveyor belt of, of their little molds of what they think you might be. And you ask them to test you on everything. And don't say no, because they will say no. They'll say no, do not comply. Ask them to test you on everything. And so after round two, I said, hey, I've now had four 
four transfers that have not worked. I need you to like look into this. And they were like, eh, okay, fine. Yeah, if you want it. They weren't going to even give me an appointment with the doctor. They were going to just pump me through the next transfer. And then I had to be like, stop. I need to talk to the doctor and I need to go again. And then I took a pause after they said that because it was a 10-week pause. And I went to a naturopathic doctor. And she changed my life. I found out I have an autoimmune issue. My hormone levels went down. I feel like a totally different person. I gained 20 pounds on IVF. Within four days, my husband could see my body change. Uh, taking out the foods that I wasn't supposed to be eating, taking the proper medication. It was insane. And then when I went to the fertility doctor, once I was, I took eight months off. And if you are trying to have a baby and you take eight months off of having a baby and you've been trying for five years, it's excruciating <laughs> because you're just not trying and you feel like your um, eggs are ticking time bombs hmm. of maturity. So and the fact that that had to happen for me to then go back and say, hey, this is what I think my issue is, and then say, maybe there's not enough research. And I I'm can't like, with the MDs fighting the naturopathic doctors. Again, I don't oh. want to like get into this because yeah. I don't know the industry yeah. and I have yeah, respect for everyone, but it's like, why am I at war? Why am I the victim of like war between you two? Can we just like coexist peacefully and like talk about this and if it works for me if I'm telling you that it's working and I'm telling you I feel better and I'm telling you that like TMI I'm not getting diarrhea all the time and I can actually poop properly like when you posted that thing on poop and you're like share your poop stories I was like I have some and it's not going to be anonymous because now you're going to know <laughs> okay wait um, we got so far ahead of ourselves. Let's rewind yes. for a second because we like rewind. we yeah. dove right into it. So yes, okay. Let's go back five years. You decide you and her husband ready to have a baby. Ready to have a baby. So we are trying um, to have a baby, and it wasn't happening. Granted, he was traveling a lot, but it just didn't seem right. Um, and I was really like trying to figure out, like, okay, what's going on? You do all the tracking and all the things and then went to my doctor and you, you kind of after a year they'll say okay let's get you tested my my numbers all come back normal and I go to the fertility clinic and um what and I haven't said this to very many people so lots of people are going to be like whoa what and then this is something that I have a lot of shame and uh discomfort in um so during those two year, those few years, the 2000, I would say 17 uh, to 2018, we found out every time we would try, I'd kind of have a reaction and they didn't know what the reaction was. And then we'd try and I would get a reaction and I didn't know what the reaction was. Well, then what I found out was as the reaction started getting worse and worse that I was allergic to semen. That is very hard for me to say on a podcast yeah um, but also it must just like fuck with your head mentally because you think it's like your fault 100 percent. and most women because of the way the fertility um it's getting better now but fertility awareness and um i would say in general they usually look at the women first and they do test the men but it usually just goes down to the women and so you often feel like it's your fault 
until they dive deeper and deeper into it. And so, yeah, so for me, it was extremely, I felt like it was my fault. So I thought if I go to the fertility clinic now, we've tried for a year and it, and they, doctors had me taking like, they had me taking allergy medication before and after we would, and you have to like have <laughs> sex in the right Benadryl. time. <laughs> Benadryl. is like popping <laughs> reactant. And it was, it was <laughs> yes, it was crazy. It's crazy. You can laugh. It's fine. I well, it's like too. the cream. You like put the cream like on your back. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting them up there, hoping they'll help. Um, do not do that. No, do sure not. If you have this, this is allergy, also, you have to go talk to your doctor. Yeah. There's no medical advice on this podcast. Just so you know, no. don't come after me. Yeah. yeah. And don't come after me, please. Um, so I, I ended up going and talking to my GP I went to allergists I did all the things and then they said you have to just actually just go straight to IVF and so usually there's a process called IUI they said no you're not able to do that IUI if you're wondering what that is so when you go to your if you were starting to think about having a baby you go to your doctor they would give you a referral to a fertility clinic now I went to the first fertility clinic for the first referral I would get do not do that shop around Fertility treatments are very expensive. You wouldn't just go to the first car dealership and buy that first car you test drove. You would go and you would check out other cars. And that's what I think of with people is like, why would you put your health, your physical health, or your potential pregnancy in the hands of the first doctor you talk to? Like shop around. They don't like that, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of advocate for yourself in this journey. So then I did just go to the first clinic um, and they just told me, yeah, we have to do ICSI, which is there's three ways of doing um, when you go to an IVF clinic where well, there's multiple ways, but usually it's IUI where they um, like it's kind of like you have one egg and they inseminate you, inseminate the egg, and then you're plopped in and you just see if you get pregnant. It's the least invasive. Then they have um, IVF where they put it in a Petri dish. They put your egg in a Petri dish, sperm in a Petri dish, and they get them so to have a party and inseminate. And they have the last one, which is ICSI, which is mine, which they take the egg and they um, insert the semen – or the sorry, the sperm. They wash the sperm so there's no semen on it, and then they uh, put it in the egg. So I thought, great. I just have to do this because it's just the allergy. I'm super healthy. My numbers came back great. It's going to happen for me. And it didn't. It didn't happen after two rounds. So two rounds are – one round is a whole bunch of injections. So you do – a month of birth control usually. And this is if you were going to do egg freezing as well. You do a month of birth control and some other medications. You'd prep your body. And then after you prep your body, they would give you anywhere from seven to 14 days of injections, depending on your own hormonal makeup, how many rounds you've done, um, and what your own file is. It helps like what your body needs and uh, needs to create lots of eggs. Then they did an egg retrieval. And I think I just want to talk about this because I think not enough people know what the IVF process is. I they had do an egg no idea until you told me that one day at Turf when we were having coffee, like I feel you were just starting or a couple rounds into your treatment. I actually didn't even know the egg freezing process was the same, I guess, like the first half of IVF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I, and that's where I like, I, I'm quite, I think passionate about this in the way that I really want 
people to know that like, yeah, what is the egg freezing process about? Yeah. When should you start as a woman or female gendered human with a reproductive system is that is able to have a baby is to, when do you start to look into this? If you, if that's what you want. And I would say like sooner rather than later, really understand the process just so you know, even if it's 10 years down the line, you don't have a baby, you don't want a baby in sight just to understand your reproductive system, maybe not egg freezing, but understand what it takes to have a baby, understand what needs to happen and really understand your own reproductive health. Because I think that really gives you insight because then at some, sometimes it works out and it's not too late, but then for others, it, it like for me, I I started trying when I was 31. So I think that's uh, something to like think about anyways, is to be aware of that. It's something I've been avoiding. Um, Totally. I, I, there's a lot attached to it. Well, one, you know, my um, resistance to taking birth control. I have mm-hmm. not ever responded well to oral contraception. Um, and I actually didn't know it. I went on it very young um, without my mom knowing. I was just able to walk. I used to get such horrendous fucking periods, like absolutely horrendous, where mm-hmm. if I didn't take like three, four extra strength Advil before my period started, I'd be out for the day puking like and I had those as a, a kid, like a teenager. My period was yeah. just never enjoyable for me. When I was 16, I asked my mom to go on birth control um, so I could stop my periods because that's all you know. It's easy to get. Mm-hmm. Any doctor will get it to you. You stop your periods and great. It can't be harmful to our system because it's so easy to get. Um, the doctor gave it to me. The doctor gave it to me. And she said no. And I went to a sex clinic and I got it anyways. And I was on birth control um, since I was 16. I tried to go off it at 23 um, and at the time didn't know the correlation um, that like I had all this really bad back knee all of a sudden, like huge cystic acne on my back. It was so bad one summer. I didn't even want to like be in a, in a tank top or a t-shirt. Um, and uh, a doctor was like, go on birth control to clear it up. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll just go on it. No problem. Um, went on it didn't think about like at the time I was trying to lose weight. Um, I had started losing a little bit of weight. This was my early twenties. And then I had just like gained weight really quickly and I couldn't figure out why. And someone was like, Oh, like, did you take a new birth control pill? And I was like, Oh, it was the first time I was 23. I was like, yes, actually it must be the birth control. So I went off it and I had lost 60 pounds that year when I moved to Vancouver And that was probably like the best shape of my life. I was single for a little bit. And then I started dating my ex. What was like 2015-ish? 2016, 2015? I don't know. And um, at that point, we talked about obviously me going on birth control because having a responsible conversation. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in a different place in my life now. I'm I'm fit. Like, let's see. And within a week or sorry, um, within one month, I'd gained 10 pounds and I was absolutely psychotic. And I just remember like, I was so bloated. I I just, I just said, I will never, ever put this in my body ever again. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, that's a long winded answer, but where I was going with this was (laughs) it actually scares me. I thought because I've had all these hormonal issues, it might be smart for me. I'm 32. Again, it's not something that I see happening for me over the next couple of years, but it's something that like, Yes, we do have body clocks. Like inevitably we are women and like that's our reaper. Like I just, mm-hmm. 
it's just something I feel like I should be aware of, but I've been avoiding it. And now knowing that the egg retrieval process just involves me doing birth control and some other things, I've been like terrified to even go near it. Well, the good thing is, is you don't have to do birth control for that. You can do a natural cycle. So you just talk to your doctors for a natural cycle. And I actually didn't know that until one of my other friends who was a nurse who knew Mm. that was like, you could do a natural cycle. And I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Um, And I think for me, birth control doesn't affect me as much, but I do think it's again, another layer of hormones. And I, yes, I've heard like the research on or heard of doctors and podcasts and people and naturopaths talking about how birth control isn't necessarily the best thing for us. So, and to understand, like, I don't think synthetic hormones are good for us to be on. I think our natural clock is one of our vital signs. Our menstrual, our menstrual cycle is a vital sign for us as, and I think, um, it really tells us a lot about where, where we are in our, physical health and mental yeah. and emotional health. So I yeah. think it's, impo- it's important. So don't worry about having to go on birth control because you can do a natural cycle. Okay. Good to know. And I'll come. Okay. I, if you need someone to come to you with the <laughs> clinic, I'll come. Okay. Okay. Some ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's go back. You find out you're allergic. You think you've your so, problem yeah. solved. This is going to fix do the it. XT. Yeah. And it doesn't. Uh, so we do a few rounds and Wait, sorry. Other question. How much yes. is it per round? Ooh, it, it can be around 20 grand per round. This and then I like, like- in like all the like, acupuncture and naturopath um, therapy. It's <laughs> just need like, a lot of it during going yeah. through this. Yeah. So it, it costs a lot. And, and, and in some provinces here in Canada, there is coverage. There's coverage okay. through some like extended medical. Okay. Um, I think Ontario and Quebec have coverage for your first round of oh, IVF. Wow. And then I think in the States, it's just, it's some people get coverage through their private insurance. Okay. But it, it is around, it is around 20 grand a pop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's an investment and, and I think, uh, or it is just a cost of going through mm-hmm. this process, which is also uh, very stressful too. Yeah, I would say totally. because it's hard to work too while you're going through it. It's, it's, well, that's what I mean. I just feel like the finances must add a layer of stress to some people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I understand I'm very privileged to be able to go through this process and, uh, have, have the funds to be able to do it. Um, yeah. And so, but I know that it's, I am very aware that it's not an option for some people, which is the fact that you can't even look into it is, is, is a tough pill for me to even swallow like that. There's people out there that can't, can't have this or the attempt to try. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I ended up doing a first round of injections and I got, uh, two embryos we transferred one right away and then we trans when we froze one and then we that first one I got pregnant and then I lost the pregnancy um pretty early and then the second one I didn't get pregnant at all and then the third one and then I did another round of IVF um had two more embryos 
And then I, and in between that, I changed clinics because I really didn't feel like the first clinic treated me well. I then realized that many clinics don't treat the humans that walk through their space very well. There's a lack of bedside manner. You feel like you are. Which is ironic given what you're there for. Yeah. So a lot of clinics will give you like one complimentary, like they'll, they'll credit you like a therapy session. Like they'll pay for, it'll be in kind of your package. Um, But with that, like the whole process is kind of cold. Like the nursing staff really tries to be, many of them like have more than one doctor. So you have your like regular doctor and then you see multiple doctors. So like that is to me, what I realize is you kind of just get, you start to understand that not, they're not always the best, but at that bedside manner or walking you through the process or, and it's just because like they, you're just like another person on the dial and it's, and it's not individually just you. So if you go to, into a clinic and, and you have this experience, please know that it's not a personal thing. I think it's, they, they're like that with everyone. And I think it's also because they see so many stories that it just becomes, I guess, yes. I mean, as a doctor, you couldn't really get emotionally involved with every single one of your patients. I would say the second second clinic I went to has been so much better. Hmm. There's still some holes in there, but it's a lot better. (laughs) And and I think the process in general – to some other experiences you might have in medical system or just in life is very traumatizing. Like there's certain things they don't prep you for. So I, I really urge everyone. I know sometimes it's hard because this experience is so personal that sometimes um, sharing your story, you may not be ready for, but if you can find humans in your life that you that have gone through this process and you're able to reach out to them and ask them questions and you feel safe doing that, I would highly recommend it. There's also so many forums and like going back to what you said, Allie, earlier that like it's not in your it's not in your world. So it doesn't come up as much. But yeah. the minute I it became in my world, there's so much out there that we don't yeah. know about. Yeah. So like if you're just even curious, like going on there and you will find so much and um ask tons of questions when you go to your fertility clinics. That was a big thing. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions at the beginning. You're afraid. And then by the end of it, I'm I'm like embryo number six. So, uh, by the end of it, you're like, whatever. I don't, I don't like, it's, I don't care. I'm going to ask you whatever I want to ask you if it sounds dumb or not. Yeah. So I did another round and, and two unsuccessful. And then now I'm on my, third round and I ironically enough I've just put two embryos in so on Monday so two days ago or yesterday yeah 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 Yeah, so um the process is 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 intense I think yeah I think it's just a lot of I think once I started sharing on Instagram about my story and hearing other people's Mm -hmm. stories was so therapeutic therapeutic for me. Yeah. And at the beginning I was was totally open and, and I shared so much and I got so much back and I received so much and there wasn't, I wouldn't say anything negative from sharing. Uh, I, I felt so much love and I, 
it made the process less isolating because yeah you are you're kind of in your pms for the whole two four months and then on top of it like the whatever what and the whole process in itself of trying to have a baby can be yeah. when you can't have a baby can be traumatic and heavy emotionally so then that was having people tell me like oh i did that happened to me or try this or oh are you breaking out and acne do this or um it became a lot less scary and it validated how i was feeling because sometimes i didn't have control on how i was feeling um and it allowed me to surrender and have a little more compassion and kindness for myself yeah uh, which i don't know i would have had if i didn't share as much yeah was, was there ever a point in your journey where you were just like about to throw in the towel like you just mentally physically just like couldn't do it anymore I think I'm there there are times I think like this last little while has been pretty pretty difficult for me my last transfer I did all my autoimmune stuff I took a long break I dialed in I was doing all the spiritual stuff so I find like what I found was my journey of IVF was really interesting because I think at first I took it very medically and I wanted that to get done. I was doing my acupuncture. I was meditating and I was just like understanding, like I, I was just trying to take in the information. It was also overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then the, then as I started to do more and more, I really then started to realize, okay, like I need to have a spiritual lifeline. I was doing therapy. I was getting Reiki. I was getting acupuncture. I was, um, seeing everyone under the sun. Hmm. And then I, <laughs> and then I think this last round I was doing all the things and I just was like, I can't do all the things anymore. And I just yeah. need to put these embryos in me and let's just see. And there's a sense of neutrality that happens. Yeah, There's just, it's, it's sad, but like even I think my last round where my pregnancy wasn't viable, I, cr I cried. And then I was like, cool. That's what it is now. So you, there is a sense of, okay, we got to go to the next round and it just becomes kind of work. Yeah. Um, and I think that's some, some form of protection too, like how deep can you go and then how vulnerable can you be? Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't thrown in the towel yet. I think it's really hard to, once you start to get going, it's really difficult yeah. to, but the beautiful thing is, is like I have friends who have beautiful adoption stories and they have babies in their own way. And I think um, I, I've really learned the multiple definitions of surrendering. I was saying mm -hmm. this to one of my friends who's uh, a, a counselor and um, a uh, breathwork coach. And we were talking about the ideas of surrendering and what surrendering means in life and how certain times in life you'll have a journey and you think you've surrendered. You think you've learned what surrendering is. And then life will kick you in the ass again. And you'll be like, no, that's not it. And yeah. I've found that it's been really interesting for me to be like, oh, like this is my new path of surrendering where it's like, okay, whatever is meant for me will come to me. So if the babies are supposed to come uh, and I'm supposed to be pregnant or if the babies are going to be adopted or if the babies are going to come in another shape or form. Um, I, I am now open to oh, that. You're gonna be so it's mom. not a giving up. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not a giving yeah. up. It's a, it's a change of perspective, but like not just, just saying it, but like truly feeling that feeling of, I know I'm going to be a mom. It's just, I, it, it might take a different shape or form, or it might be the form that I, in which I envisioned. Yeah. Do you think that stress has a lot or there's a direct correlation between stress on the body, like emotional stress for growing through this experience? Do you think there's like a link to pregnancy, if that makes sense? Like, how do I word this? I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard multiple stories that people have just tried so hard of getting pregnant naturally IVF and they've just like, okay, stopped. And then all of a sudden it's just like, they've, I guess, surrendered, maybe had decided, okay, maybe we're not meant to have kids. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get like pregnant. So this is what I say to this one, because people say this a lot. And you're probably like, fuck, truly- off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck off. You're like, listen, no, <laughs> pregnancy is on your you radar. Have- you put that back. Um, you want me to rewind we can delete that no I love it this is a good conversation that's why we have these conversations because I think it's so important like you shut the fuck up with that question I did ask you if anything was off the table before we started recording nothing is because I think this is when the good stuff happens um no I think this is a great great topic I'm like get this bitch out of here um no I really think that um so those are the stories of the people who got pregnant when they stopped trying. Yeah. But nobody's coming up to you and saying, I stopped trying and I never got pregnant. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. right. So yeah. like, that's what I think of that, that. And I also think that <laughs> like I you take so that story and shove it up your ass. Shove it up your ass. Okay. <laughs> So one, I love that Ali asked me the story because this is this this question because this is what this podcast is for. I think it's important to have this dialogue. So if you're out there and that's what you say to your friend who's going through a fertility treatment, is like I actually don't know if I stop now that I've had my autoimmune and actually my autoimmune has helped me not be have allergic reaction to semen as we know. However. I'm terrified because I have so much trauma associated Mm -hmm. with trying naturally. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified. So from someone like me, for someone to say, well, if you just stop and you just relax and you stop stressing and it don't make it about that, about your life. Well, if you really want a baby, it's always going to be about your life. No matter how much you get drunk and go on a trip somewhere and come back and you're pregnant, which is great, which is probably just like the right timing, the right embryo, the right egg, the right spirit baby. You know what I mean? And, and I think, for someone like me or another human with a different story that knows that they, that naturally is probably going to be the hardest way for them to get pregnant is like the last thing they want to hear. Yeah. Not that your, your question of enemy, cause I told mm-hmm. you I wanted us to talk about everything. And I think that's where it's like when people ask or, or kind of it's, it's really with like, I think this is a really great conversation yeah. because this is what people come and say, but also people come come at you when you're trying to get pregnant and you've probably felt this when you were going people come at me on like a Tuesday and I'm like get the (laughs) fuck out of here they're like you should unsolicited advice I'm like (laughs) I was like I don't know if you know this but I've been seeing every doctor under the sun every specialist acupuncturist poking me I'm taking vaginal suppositories 
go home. <laughs> you should go see my vagina guru. It's like when people are like, I don't know if you've tried this, but like my skin esthetician cleared my three zits. And I'm like, Susan, I've done everything except dip my head into a fucking bathtub of acid. So no, I don't want to hear about your like scrubbing your face with Cetaphil. Okay. <laughs> yes. So actually, this my- is a great question. What yeah. are some things, because I actually feel like maybe I am, I am that demographic of people because it's maybe not, and I'm not trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have friends that are moving into that phase of their life or are in that phase of their life. So I maybe like the cool aunt who might be like Samantha from Sex in the City for the next 10 years. <laughs> what are some Which things that I or people like me should be aware of? of things you don't want people talking to you about or things that I shouldn't ask you? What's off the table? Well, or things that table? maybe like trigger you that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one telling people who are on fertility treatments to just relax, <laughs> telling people who are on fertility treatments to, to de- just, just I be just less like stressed. Never tell anyone. Never That's tell just- anyone to relax. Okay. <laughs> Um, when I dealt with depression, my ex or even like my last partner would be like, I just want you to be happy. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> cool. Thanks. I, I would, really I would love I would love that too. Let me go take six more of these pills to fix my fucking serotonin. <laughs> Smile. Smile. Um, I, you know what I think is it's more of here are some things that you can say yeah, that okay. will help your friends facilitate it because who knows what is going to come out of someone's <laughs> mouth. I can't predict that. Uh, so I would say one is when you know someone's going through it is like checking in because it can be super isolating. And I think it's just like checking in and, and, and saying like, how can I support you mm-hmm. as you're going through this? And then just being like thinking of you. Um, if you feel like you want to do more for them or I would just ask them, how is it going? What's happening? Are you cool with sharing? Like Mm open-ended questions that are easy because you don't know what they're going through. You can't experience it. And I don't think anyone, like many hard things we go through in our life, until you experience it, you, you, nobody else can understand. Just like, just like you were saying about like your skin or your hormones. It's like Mm -hmm. nobody can actually know what it feels like to, to wear that skin. Nobody can actually feel like, understand what it feels like to want to have a baby and not be able to have it and be doing crazy ass shit to have a baby (laughs) because it's crazy. And I think the check-ins are such a good relational um, skill to have across the board because I know Mm -hmm. I joke, I feel like it's become part of my my brand online to be like no (laughs) unsolicited advice. It should be like my fucking registered hashtag. (laughs) It should be. When you are looking to give advice, and I didn't understand it because I was that person too. You're gen- you're mm-hmm. genuinely just trying to help someone. Totally. Um, so where you're seeing it from, like, oh, maybe if I say this, like, she's struggling. So if I just give her some suggestions, and maybe one of these will help. Um, mm-hmm. But the backside of that is like, really, that's just fueling my ego. It's like, yeah. I need to help you so I can feel good because I solved your problem. And I know that's not what you actually think you're thinking you're doing, but that's real, like really what it is. Yeah, um, it is. So being able to step back to be like, this actually isn't about me. This is about someone sharing to be like, wow, that sounds like it's challenging. 
I experienced something like that. Would you like me to share or do you just need someone to vent to or do you just need me to listen? Um, And really like asking for feedback of how you can engage in a situation's conversation is just a good overall life tip. So yeah, no asking to be less stressed or be happy. (laughs) Relax, okay? No unsolicited Um, advice. advice. (laughs) Like unless you've like gone through every, every appointment with them, you don't know what's happening or what doctors have said for them to do. Um, you know, for me, I'm a really active person. And one of the biggest things people kept saying, and I'm, I'm a smaller person. So for me, people kept saying, well, you might need to eat more. Well, are you, are you working out too much? Well, or on the other end, I can only imagine if it was on the other end and somebody didn't work out as much as me, like there's always something to say to someone. And for me in my own personal story, that made me feel like, again, I already think I'm the problem. Yeah. So it just makes me feel like I'm the problem more. So, or it makes me feel like I already feel like my body's precious. So every time you tell me you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this. It doesn't give me agency of my own body. And yeah. I know, and I, and I know it's coming from love and, and care. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm not, never like get the fuck out of here. It's just more the idea that like when someone's you don't know how low they are. You don't know how, what their self-worth is like in that moment. So to put that on them even more, even though you're trying to help, I think is um, doing more harm than it is good. Yeah. Because you're in such a and vulnerable they, state. Mm-hmm, and they're yeah. not going to tell you. And, and they're on so many hormones. <laughs> they don't know they're fucking they're not left foot from the right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just the way it is. And sometimes you feel great, but mostly yeah. you're just really tired all the time. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is there's a, a period in IVF where, um, after your injections, you get an egg retrieval, they pull the eggs out and that's a surgery that they have to do. It's, 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 um, is it painful? Not super. It's not super invasive, but they do okay. knock you out. It's great. It's great drugs. And then <laughs> don't just do it for that though, please. Um, um, I'll no, take the birth control. They, <laughs> I'll take the birth control for that day. No, so they do that. And then five days later, once your embryos mature, um, if you are lucky enough to get embryos, they will then tr- either fresh transfer you or frozen transfer. They'll put them in a freezer and then in a month or whenever you decide, you can pull them out and, and, and transfer one or more. Um, after they transfer it, there's a two week wait. There's two weeks. You have to wait to see if you're pregnant is, and there's the five days you're waiting in between to see if any of your embryos actually worked. So if any of that hard work and money and emotional, you know, exercise actually Mm -hmm. did, did pull through. Um, those are the hardest parts. So if you're ever with a, you know, a family member or a friend who are going, is going through that time. Yeah. The physicality of it and taking the shots and the hormones is difficult, but a lot of it is like that emotional, the waiting, the sitting, the wondering. So I would say that would be like a wonderful time to like reach out or send flowers or take them on a walk or, um, pass the time. Record podcasts. Record podcasts. Thanks, Allie. (laughs) See? (laughs) Yeah. Being super supportive. I have two questions left. Yes. 
while you're going through this process, are you allowed to have like physical sex to like double up or it's like straight up IVF only? No, straight IVF only. You can't do the double up. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because the process is, is when you do the injections and I'm not a doctor, so read this all online, but when you do the, (laughs) for my personal experience and what I've been told. I'm going to give you the cold notes, but again, it's not (laughs) medical advice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. Um, They just, they, you do these injections for seven to 14 days, depending on how your body reacts, you get blood tests and ultrasounds in between to see how your body's maturing. So we usually naturally, um, are, we have two eggs that kind of come to mature. Usually one or two will drop. This will create more. So depending on how many follicles you have, these shots will help, um, grow the follicles and produce more than just one or two eggs. Then they take those eggs, depending on how many you get, how many follicles you have, and they pull the eggs out. Now you can choose to freeze them or you can choose to make them into embryos. And then, so that's how that happens. So in that time period, there's no sex happening. Also, there's things like um, ovarian hyper um, stimulation stimulation syndrome where you're quite swollen. um, Okay. And you can't really have sex. It can actually be like pretty not good for your body. Mm. Did you find that like throughout this process, it like impacted your intimacy with your partner? Did it become like a bit like of a chore before IVF or is that a personal, um, too personal for, a question? F- no, no. Um, for us, it wasn't, I took like breaks in between my, yeah. my GP was great and he told me to take breaks. My therapist, um, I made sure that like, we made sure that we were just communicating a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that Andrew, I don't really give compliments very often. So this is going to be nice for him. That's okay. You can (laughs) actually take a soundbite of this clip and you can just send it to him. You send it to him. Yeah. (laughs) I was just lucky that this process, I think processes like this or challenges in life like this can make or break you. And he's just been this wonderful support Mm -hmm. system for me and has never, created that dynamic where I felt like I needed to, because sometimes you just don't, you Mm -hmm. don't feel like having sex. And, um, nor did I feel like I just felt so supported and so held. And this was a process that I think at the end of it, like the gratitude I come out with is that I know that like this relationship is so solid and it it made us, it truly did. I think we are stronger and more connected with one another now than we were before. And I know that's not the case for everyone. And, and it, worked for us. So for me individually, I didn't have that feeling that our intimacy was gone because I think we hit a different level of intimacy where yeah. it was this, this it's like forcing you to like journey. drop everything. Yeah. And yeah. really get to know each other and really support each other. Wow. Um, last thing. Mm-hmm. Working in this, in this space, I feel like to be honest, going back to the beginning of the conversation, I told you that you were a traitor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I haven't acknowledged the fact that, you know, that cheesy thing of like everything in life happens for a reason. And mm-hmm. I feel like your connection with Katie and how you guys met and how it slowly shaped your business at the training studio to then becoming your full-time business and how you like moved into this and like what you're doing now you work with a lot of women who are pre and postnatal and i mm-hmm. feel 
that must be like feel some sort of like lucky or gratitude towards the space that you've landed in because one, you get to be held by so many women, but two, like mm-hmm. you get to, I think it's just so powerful with you sharing your story right now. Like with the space that you're in, you are helping so many women like on and off the mat. I think it's just like a lot of people think it's just like, I'm going to have a baby and it's going to be that easy. But I don't think we realize how many women can't actually easily conceive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I, I would agree. I would say that this journey and this has brought me to this beautiful space that like one, I think going through this process and maybe being in a different environment would have been quite toxic for me. I can't imagine, even though it was an, it brought me to this place. It's still, I think I, that connection of like, just as you said, that community of women and even like the men that come into our space are coming for a different reason. So it's just this like wonderful community created. And I think, um, it's really interesting because, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable taking like sometimes two weeks off at a time every round and felt held. Or dealing with your body changes or your personal stories. Yeah. And then taking that and really and truly being authentic in the practice that I'm teaching. Like, so when I go and I train my people on the mat and they're telling me about their own unique journeys and how their bodies are holding their feelings, their emotions, and this movement practice that we're doing is helping them move through that. Or it's just, they want to go and get a workout and get crushed. Like that has been so wonderful because I authentically am showing up and I can feel and understand what they're going through at some capacity. And this journey has given me that amount of empathy, compassion, and insight that I would never have had. And I oh my say God, this I'm getting often. like emotional because you've seen me through some like super vulnerable moments, <laughs> crying oh. on a wall set. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, go home. <laughs> go home right now. But I just feel so happy for you. And I know that I feel so weird saying that. Um, yeah. But I feel so happy that you can be in this space given where you're at in your journey and I just know you're going to be an incredible mom. Like I don't, I'm so emotional. I don't like, I'm, I'm sorry that it's not the easy experience that you could have hoped for, but like, mm-hmm. you're going to be an amazing mom. Like I, I do know okay. it. And you, you're helping so many women along the way, whether you work directly with them one-on-one, whether they're in a class with you, whether they come across your Instagram page, whether they listen to this podcast, like you've this is part of your journey. I feel like very confident in saying that part of your journey is being selfless and like helping other women through your experiences. So I appreciate that. I said this to a a friend uh, a little while back and she's dealt with a lot of grief in her life. Um, She lost her husband and we were talking about the idea of that our journeys are very different, uh, but like I've had loss in a different way um, and and challenges in life in different ways. And this journey for me has taught me that I don't know if I'd want to be the Taryn before it anymore. The, the Taryn like pre-IVF, pre, you know, trying to conceive versus like now. This person now is like I, I'm, 
I feel embodied. I feel who like authentic to who I am. I feel the most in my skin I've ever felt. Um, so it's not easy and I, and I don't wish it on anyone, but I, I, I see that light you're talking about in this, in the storm. Yeah. It feels that. like fucked up to say it, but I don't know if you get to hear that enough that like it's saying like there, there's a silver lining seems like ignorant. It seems unfair mm-hmm. to, it's like me telling you like, look on the bright side. We'll go back to things we shouldn't say to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, like I, I said, like, I do know you will be an amazing mom. And mm-hmm. I, I want to acknowledge you because where you're at now is also like really empowering for women. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, um, I haven't been sharing my story lately on Instagram. I want to share it after because I've been this place now that I need to be, uh, what I, what these journeys teach us, I think in life, whether it's IVF or another hardship that we have in life is that sometimes you need to create strong and hard boundaries. And sometimes you feel like giving is what you need to do, but often it's, coming back home to self and, and really sitting in with self and knowing that I will share my story. It's just right now I need to focus on me. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, yeah. So for those of you listening that are in Vancouver, um, there are opportunities for you to work with Taryn in person. Um, but why don't you share with us how women or anyone actually can work with you both in person or like offline or online remotely? Fine. Um, I have a company called uh, The Alaline Method, um, and you can find us at alalinemethod.com. It's French, so um, Ali will <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. It's a really long spelling. Um, we are on a rebrand, but that's happening later, so you might just have to find me here. At, at Alaline Method um, on Instagram, but you can also find my personal page where you can see my fertility journey and the short stories I share. And that is at Taryn Graywall. Um, and if you are wanting to move with me online, you can go onto that website and you will find us. Uh, we have a movement, mindful movement platform that is housed in the foundation of Pilates, but we move that methodology through um, all different modalities from meditation to like HIT training. So we really try to move mindfully and we take our own lived experience, mine and Katie's, and we transfer it to group training. It's really beautiful practice to do at home. And then if you want to move with me in person, we have a small boutique studio in Gastown in Vancouver. So you can come move with us. You can bring a friend. We do doubles, triples, and singles, no more than that. Um, and that's where you can find me. From personal experience, I would recommend going um, the online platform because you can pause her. Uh, you can mute her and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Allie mutes me and walks away when she sees me in person too. So, <laughs> do this work. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm done next. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I'm I'm very excited for everyone to listen and for you guys listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Say listen one more time. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna link everything in the show notes. So connect with Taryn, um, share this story because I think it's a really important conversation for more honeys to be having online, offline. So thanks for having me. Of course. Love you. 
thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have new episodes that drop every single week, including some bonus content called Honey Check, co-hosted with my best friend, Jenna Garrow, where we catch up for some classic girl talk. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the show. And of course, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes, but it helps support the show so much. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at, at unfilteredwithally. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online Facebook community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye.